All right, everybody, here we are. Sugar with the Mooney, episode 80. Pretty much a year and a half we've been rocking and rolling with this. Uh, Shug, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. We um kind of busy last week, so we, we kind of missed out last week, but we're going to do something for you guys to enjoy over the week before Christmas and, you know, the weekend after Christmas. Yeah, it's that time of year. Um, I still think it's October. You know, I'm always like, oh my mm-hmm. God, it's December, it's December uh, 16th today. Um, yeah, so we figured let's do something holiday-ish, you know. Um, like last year, you know, I didn't really get to do a lot of holiday things. This year, um, you know, I'm going to try to do more stuff, uh, head out to the city, you know, do the usual uh, festivities. Um, so why we bring that up is because uh, we figure uh, why not let's, we love talking about movies, uh, you know, and music and everything. We're going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies and our least favorite Christmas movie. And we're also gonna do our favorite Christmas song and our least favorite Christmas song. Cause uh, I'm big into like uh, setting the mood and like these movies get me in the mood for the, uh, for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Also, and it's, and it's, all, yeah. it's everything that's on TV. Um, when you turn on your TV, AMC, Freeform, TNT, TBS, they're all playing Christmas movies. Um, when you walk into stores, they're playing all your favorite Christmas songs. Um, so it seems right. So, yeah, and Hallmark they start yeah, doing that stuff in July. Yeah, in July. Yeah, that was a year around, but, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, they have a whole network now dedicated to that. Um, so that that would pretty much be my least favorite. Those they make like a dozen of these Christmas movies a year, and it's always like the same type of uh, actors in it. But anyway, we're gonna talk about that. Also, it's the end of the year, so we figure, hey, let's let's talk about our, our uh, favorite moments of the 2021, our the best of 2021, our opinion, like what. Uh, like segments or like an episode that really uh come out as like our i'll show this to you hey if you want to know what we do here check this out yeah uh, and, so since we've our, been, uh, and since we've been basically putting out videos every week we're also going to talk about our favorite videos you know which is kind of um it might seem like a little bit of overlap because a lot of our videos are um video versions of our segments um, but of course, also we have a lot of other great stuff, you know, sugar reviews of the brews, you know, with my beer reviews, we got story time, we have the black seats, some of which have been on the show, some of which haven't been on the show, um, you know, all of our in retrospects, which are things that have been on the show. Um, but, you know, we have such a wide variety of videos and, you know, a lot of them I had fun making and, you know, kind of got to relive the segments in 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 making um, editing and putting them together. So we're going to talk about, you know, our favorite videos that we've done. And we kind of yeah. did the same thing last year with the best of um towards the end of the year. So I just thought, you know, kind of start a tradition now that, as Mike said, we're going into like our second year, actually technically as 2022 starts is going to be our third calendar year of doing this. So we're going to have a little tradition of, you know, looking back on what we've done on the year and what we're proud of. Yeah. Technically it'd be like season three, episode one, the next one, if you're doing like a TV schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, talking about editing, like I was editing, uh, we talked about always Sunny in our previous episode and I ended up just watching like six episodes of like the always Sunny out. Cause I was looking for clips at, um, so that show is still going on strong, and um, check that out uh, soon on uh, YouTube. Um, but yeah, anything else going on this week? Um, yeah, we just dropped um the TV uh TV shows we gave up on 
um video if you guys haven't checked that out yet obviously that one hasn't been able to breathe too much so it won't be one of our favorites just yet but maybe you watch it and it'll be one of your favorites um going into next year uh, of course there's a beer review that's up on that probably just came up today and towards the end towards the end of the week there'll probably be um some new story times and the stuff we're talking about the segments we're talking about today they're probably going to be on um, video versions um by the end of this week so look out for those i got awesome yeah and also like keep um following us personally on uh, social media and also follow the show on social media because uh, we're always posting stuff and you know little trailers for the videos as well as our episodes all right cool so let's rock and roll episode 80 okay here we are uh it's that time of year um you know me me and sugar are huge movie buffs uh we've talked about plenty of movies over our uh, stretch of episodes um and this time of year you pop on the TV and you're going to see a bunch of Christmas movies, holiday movies. Um, it just seems like that's like a genre in, in itself. Uh, so we thought it'd be fun to talk about our favorites and our least favorites. So uh, I'm going to start the ball rolling. And I, this movie we talked about earlier in the year when we talked about John Hughes. But I'm just going to tell you right now, it's uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I was on the fence because as a kid, there's a tradition where TBS and TNT would show a Christmas story. So I've seen that movie probably like hundreds and hundreds of times. But as I've gotten older, I don't really uh, connect with it as much because it's like from like a kid's point of view, a guy looking back as his kid. But uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, over the years, over like the, you know 20 plus years I've been watching that movie, I've gotten older and I relate more and more to like Chevy Chase, you know, the character in that uh, uh, Griswold. Um, but yeah, so let me get into more. Um, it's, you know, it's, we, we talk about John Hughes. I'm a big John Hughes fan. And this is like, you know, this is a this is a John Hughes film. And what this movie is, it's basically the same thing where John Hughes always has a clicking, uh, a ticking talk, a ticking clock, uh, like Breakfast Club. It takes place on a Saturday in detention. Okay, so this movie takes place in December. Like, you know, it's going to end with Christmas. So that you have that word. Okay, anything can happen in that in that time. And it's not just a movie that takes place on like a Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. They have like the earlier times, like they have the whole like, uh, not Advent, like the little calendar where you mark down each day, like the 12 days of Christmas, I think, I believe, or 25 days of Christmas. And I used to have that as a kid. I used, I used to have a Santa Claus one with uh, a seven up and I used to like, oh, get all hyped. And it just felt like that, like we're, we're counting down to, uh, you know, kind of down to the big day. Um, but yeah, um, great intro. I sing that song like in the summer, Christmas time, Christmas time. It was uh, maybe Staples, I believe. Um, but that's a movie I can watch all year long, all year round. Um, Christmas Story, that's, that's a tradition of Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. I'll pop that on, watch it from any point. But uh, Christmas Story, uh, I can't watch that all year long. Uh, John Hughes, it could be just a regular comedy, hysterical. Um, you know, it's like heartwarming too. At one point, you have a lot of classic actors in it. Uh, George Burns, no, no, uh, Bill Hickey's in it. A lot of old time uh, actors from like the 30s and 40s uh, are in it. Uh, and it's one of those movies where um, everyone talks about it. It's like um, they did the commercials for it a couple of years ago. 
where they reprised a role and it was like for like Walmart or something. Uh, so it's just a thing where it's like, I've always loved it, but it's kind of like everyone knows about the movie. So I didn't want to pick a movie that like no one else really talks about. And that's going to be the same with the least one because there's terrible movies out there, but it has to be one that's like everyone loves that I just don't like. Um, what do you think about the Christmas story? What, what was your pick? Well, interesting you said that because my favorite movie is A Christmas Story. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, you know, I love Ralphie, Peter Billingsley. Um, was great in it. Obviously didn't continue in the acting um, sector of, you know, Hollywood. But, you know, he's been popping up and stuff from here and there. But he's really, like, carved out um, a career for himself behind the camera you know, works very, um, he's had a close working relationship with, uh, John Favreau and, um, Vince Vaughn. Uh, you know, you've seen him in, uh, what's that movie? The Breakup. You've seen him pop up in new movies. Uh, he actually, he was in the original Iron Man. Again, like I said, John Favreau directed that movie Mm -hmm. and was in that movie. So he was a not, and then he popped up again in the Spider-Man Far From Home, which we all know was like the last Marvel movie before the pan- pandemic. Um, he popped into that, and of course, that also had John Favreau in it. So you know, as as you, you've seen, you know his face. Um, but a Christmas Story. I forgot which network it is. I know it's one MC. of the Turner. Oh yeah, TNT and TBS do it at the same time. It's one of the Turner networks, and they um show it like on Christmas Day, like all day marathon. And I will sit down and literally watch it all day. And as Mike said, like you could pop in anytime. So as you go out, go out through the day, as you you know flip between like the basketball games. I turn it back to a Christmas story. It's like you've you've watched the the whole movie in pieces throughout the whole day, and it's just filled with like so many like memorable moments, like his little brother, um, getting bundled up with all of the the different like um winter, um gear, uh, the one kid getting his tongue stuck to the pole, um, the Red Rider BB gun, of course, classic. Uh, Santa, Santa kicking him down the um, slide after he's asking him, you know, you shoot your eye out, um, the leg lamp. And, you know, it's set in like the 1930s to 1940s. And it really like feels like that. And it, it's very, um, you know, very like American pie, like Americana type of thing. And, you know, I've, I've said it, I may have said it on the show, but I've said it to Mike. I'm like, for some reason, like the, the mom in it, like not the actress but the mom in it like i have like a crush on <laughs> for some reason like for some reason every like i watched that movie i'm like oh my god well, she's like, she, like hot she, she's like, adorable no she, i find her like she's like, adorable you know like yeah um it's interesting I, too because it's just like i'm you know as as i've said i'm i'm very like progressive you know i i would be interested in my wife being like in a work for in a work for force i don't like necessarily want like the housewife the housewife like homemaker type lady but for some reason like her like that role and like that particular character like i'm attracted to specifically in our movie so that's why like a christmas story is um it's kind of like 
my um my movie and yeah i love watching it it doesn't get mike mike seems like he's tired of it but i it never gets um i never get tired of it it's interesting that because um christmas story it's a sequel you know, is like based on like writings like someone's book the director of it uh the great the, the, the like it's based on his like actual life and he had like a book about and like I, him and as we said it's the same um we did it when we did our porkies in retrospect it's the same same person i wrote a christmas story is the same person i wrote the porkies movies so it's kind of it, it's it's weird i think we said it at the same time too it's like porkies is probably like ralph when he was a teenager yeah and um my pick you know the um national national lampoon's christmas vacation is a sequel obviously to the original national lampoon's vacation which was based on writings of john hughes when he was at the harvard lampoon so it also pits, uh, bits of his real life are in that movie you know of course like comedically like you know turn up to 11 but a lot of the stuff that he put in those vacation movies oh especially that those two were inspired from uh, his childhood so i guess that's a really interesting uh uh, point to bring up that we both picked the movies where it's like kind of like autobiographical a little bit um and then that's something that like i think we always kind of like um are like attracted to more like we talked about the national i mean the uh once one time in uh hollywood we love and everything then i found out later on a lot of it was autobiographical from tarantino's point of view so um that's that's the perfect you know auteur or like someone who really puts themselves in like their projects not just uh but maybe like down the road, uh, John Hughes did Jingle All the Way, and that's has that's just a fun movie that he you know paycheck probably. But that movie had like heart to it, and it felt like it was inspired by like him actually growing up. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm gonna jump into my least favorite. It's not a bad movie, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to pick them. Like, there's like lists out there where it's just like you know like the Fred Claus and just movies that came out in the last like 20 years where I you know they're not really considered like classics. But uh, this movie. I have never really like sat through it because I don't really have a nostalgia for it. I guess when it came out, I was like a little kid and it's more geared towards like family and like maybe I don't be sexist, but like maybe girls, but uh, the, the remake of a miracle on 34th street, I just okay. can't really get into that. You know, I mean, I I've seen it all the time, but that movie is kind of, it's on the list of like, Oh, the go-to movies. You have like home alone. or then you have this, then you'll have miracle on 34th street. Uh, I've seen the original as well. Um, that's like a, like a hot, old Hollywood classic. Uh, but I just couldn't really get into it. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna go too in, into it. I just, it's not a bad movie. You know, yeah, I just yeah. feel like my, my kid it, you know? Yeah, we, we touched on it. That's also like a John Hughes film. Um, we talked about it and appreciate it. And John Hughes, you know, Mara Wilson was riding high um, off of, you know, she was obviously like a hot commodity coming off of. Uh, Miss Doubtfire, Matilda. Yeah. Well, no, nah, this was pre-Matilda, but you know, it was amidst her her run there in the nineties. And obviously, she grew up and she kind of got like sick of like the the Hollywood and like the monotony of it. And she's like a very um, you know, she writes now, so she she's done a lot of like um, reporting and you know a lot of like columns and stuff like that. So good for her. Um, I haven't. I think I watched the end of it a while ago, um, or I, I watched it last Christmas, but I, I never really like sat down and watched the whole movie. Even the original with like Natalie Wood, um, mm. never really watched it. 
you know, but I get the gist of the story. It doesn't really like appeal to me. So I don't understand why you you wouldn't like it. Um and it, it is I love like New York movies, like old New York movies too. Mm-hmm. But still, like I, I'm just gonna put it out there. That's like my I won't sit down and watch that. Like I'll sit through any other like classic comic, like you know, like Wonderful Life. I, I've seen that. But uh yeah, so that's my pick. Yeah. With disrespect though. For me, like for me, my least favorite movie i discussed it again keep referencing the appreciating john hughes so if this isn't as big enough of an advertisement for you to watch it um because we keep bringing up john hughes stuff well yes. home alone you know i said it in there uh-huh. like i'm i'm tired of the movie I, you know mike said he's tired of watching like a christmas story i'm tired of home alone because and it's basically my least favorite movie because I'm tired of watching it, but apparently my family isn't. So when we get together for the holidays, we have to watch it ad nauseum. Um, I love what it stands for. Of course, Macaulay Culkin uh, was probably one of my first, like, idols um, in my life because, you know, I grew up around the time when he was doing his stuff, you know, Richie Rich, Home Alone, um, Uncle Buck, uh What's the movie? The the book movie. Um, Page Master. Yeah, Page Master. Like he he was, I know it was probably like his first like not so successful movie. Yeah, um, the Good Son. Oh, that the was good a, the Son same. was different. Um, I freaked me out. Obviously, yeah, like the subversion in it because it had him on the cover looking like the Good Son, and then when you actually watch the movie, like Elijah Wood. Is like the the actual good one, but everybody thinks mm. like everybody the audience believes Macaulay Culkin to be the good son, and the adults in the movie believe Macaulay Culkin to be the good son, but he's actually like a like little demonic child, like not in like a fantasy type of way, just he was like a really, really bad like fuck. <laughs> psycho psychotic like child. Anywho, but uh, <laughs> I see the head over there with the with this, but you know I don't mind Home Alone too. As you know, Mike said we we're New Yorkers, so we love New York movies. So I would watch Home Alone too, like over and over again, no problem at all. But Home Alone one, it's just like I've I've seen it um enough times for two lifetimes. But before we move on to the songs. Uh, I just want to add in like a, a honorable mention, like my second favorite or would have been uh, my choice if it, if it weren't a Christmas story, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Yeah. And it's interesting because the movie, uh, my favorite movie, Christmas Vacation, and Santa Claus kind of have like the same, like similar like posters or movie box cutter- covers. So whenever I would go like to Blockbuster or like the video rental spot, like they would be, I would confuse Christmas vacation for the cover of Santa Claus. Cause from afar, like Chevy Chase looks like Tim Allen, but you know, I, I love the movie because it kind of really reminds me of like Tim, like how like Tim Allen for me at that time, as opposed to now, like now he's kind of like a right wing conservative, like, um, person, which is wild. And then obviously learn about how, like, 
he basically like snitched on like every drug dealer in like Detroit to get out of jail. Uh, and now he's kind of like on his high horse. But at the time, 1994, um, Tim Allen, Home Improvement, Toy Story, he really couldn't could do no wrong. And then he had this great Christmas movie, which really was like outside of the box. You know, the 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 story was that Santa Claus felt he sh- he scared Santa Claus, fell off of his roof, put on a suit and instant and became Santa Claus. And it wasn't until recently that I saw uh, Santa Claus 2, which was the one where he had to find his Mrs. Claus or else he would lose um, his Santa Santa ship. And then the third movie, which was brilliant because it had um, Martin Short uh, as Jack Frost and he was trying to become Santa Claus. So he had like a... um, you have like a monopoly over like the winter and yeah, yeah the sequels were, were great. And I, ne- I never really watched them till um, fairly recently, but the Santa Claus is, is, is one of my favorite. Um, it's my second favorite Christmas movie. I, that one I would make time for. That would be, that was in my top four. Um, if I'm, if I'll bring up my favorite too. Um, it's, it's, it's a sort of a remake. It's inspired by a, uh, Charles Dickens Christmas Carol, but Scrooged. Scrooge. I watch it all the time. You know, that's a you know, it has a good message. Bill Murray's my guy. Again, a New York movie. Yeah, Richard um, Donner. Richard Donner, yeah. Um and we did say, like, even though it is like a Christmas-based movie, it actually was released like in the summer, I believe. It's 88, sometime in 88. Um yeah. during that that, that big year, the, the year before the, uh, all the other big movies came out. So that was like kind of like a hit. Uh, with the Santa Claus too, uh, T-O-O, Santa Claus is up there with me. Uh, that's in my top four. Um, yeah, I, I read an article that people were like shitting on uh, Santa Claus Dirty. I loved it because it was weird. Uh, Martin Short is my guy. You know, I love that guy. Um, I was trying to be edgy. I was going to say Home Alone 2 was like my least favorite because I've seen it so many times. So that's funny that you 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 can still watch two, but I can't really watch two anymore. It, it got too goofy and stuff. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and again, we, it's funny that we keep bringing up movies that we were, you know, the Richard Donner yeah, and John Hughes. Yeah, because it's like you, like, it's interesting to see places you've been on screen. Like, you know, it's one of the reasons why I like, like, the Warriors and, um, you know, a, a whole bunch of, like, Christmas, a, a whole bunch of, like, movies that are based in New York. Because I'm like, oh, I know that place. Yeah. Um, like, most of the movies I watched grew up, yeah. I was watching, like, Weekend of Bernie's the other day, uh, and it's like... The, the part where they're kind of like discussing like going and meeting with Bernie before they go into the office is like take it took place where I used to walk to go to work but it was like 20 years ago so it looks the same but different yeah um that's like uh another movie that came out some people say it could be a Christmas movie but it's because like there's like a kind of like a Christmas element to it uh very similar to Scrooge but uh Joe Dante's uh, Gremlins 2 I mean, Gremlins, you know, part one is a Christmas movie because it takes place, but part two is like, it's like the summer, but like they have a Christmas thing they're filming. And I pass by that building all the time. Um, it's right next to uh, Grand Central. Uh, they call it a clamp building. Um, again, similar actors are in both. Uh, and that's another movie where like, as a kid, I'm like, oh, I get it. They're being, oh, this, this is subversive. Yeah, I get it. So I was into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are all great movies. Um uh, I rewatched Santa Claus a couple of years ago, and it, it's another movie where you watch it as a kid and you, you dig it, you like it, 
And then when you get older, you see it from a, like an older point of view and like it ages well. And same with my Christmas uh, vacation that ages very well on me. Um, Christmas story, I saw that the nostalgic feels for it, but uh, I had to pick one, so I, I went with that. All right, so another big part of uh, Christmas holiday season is music. It's, all, it's another whole genre. There's a whole radio station dedicated to it on Sirius. Uh, as soon as Thanksgiving's over, maybe earlier, they pop that on. You'll hear the, you know, the Mariah Carey songs, you know, right away. You know, you hear all the classic, uh, you, you know, the, you know, the songs that are like from like, um, like religious, like they're like, you know, religious songs and like, like Oh Holy Night. It's a great song and everything. It's like beautiful and everything. But um, what I'm, what I'm really into is like more of like just the songs that are about like the holiday, like the time of year. Uh, not specifically with like the whole like spiritual songs or like kind of like the more like novelty songs. Um, I'm a big fan of crooners, uh, that era, like in the forties and fifties. Uh, so, um, I'm just gonna go right into it. Nat King Cole's Christmas song. It's straight up called the Christmas song, but everyone knows it as like the, uh, the chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Mm-hmm. And that came out in the forties. It was written by Mel Torme, New York guy. Uh, they used to have a building in uh, the city, you know, all the Elvis songs and all the uh, 40s and 50s songs, uh, all the crooners. It was written by these guys in New York. Um, it was pretty much like a factory. They just wrote these songs and um, people would sing them later on. Uh, so uh, it's a funny backstory to it. Let me tell you, Mel Torme, he was in a heat wave. It was July 45 and he was in his office and he was like, oh man, uh, it's so hot out there. So he started thinking about I got to think cool and think about a cool song. So he was, he was thinking about winter. He was thinking about like Christmas time, mm-hmm. the holiday season. And like during the heat wave, he wrote this whole song where he's like, oh, let me think about being that time of year. And he, he wrote this um, weird lyrics. Um, you know, it's just like nonsense. And just like free, free flowing. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's not really like, it's, you know, it's, it's like nothing to do with the actual holidays. It's a time of year. I can imagine myself like coming in from the cold from work and it's like, you know, five o'clock or six and it's like dark out there and you curl up. Um, and it's another song that would always play on Christmas day when, you know, we would always do Christmas, like when we were older, like at night, like, you know, my family would come over and we would just have all these like uh, different Christmas songs. And they was always like the crooners, you know, like Sinatra, Bing Crosby, but the Nat King Cole song is always you know, make, make, makes me feel like, wow, reminds me of Christmas. I get a little emotional. Um, it's just a beautiful song. Um, but it just like, it's not really like like a, like a holiday song. It's just like about that time of year. Um, yeah, but so like he recorded it in 46, a year later. And it was like, you know, a huge hit for Nat King Cole. And then 15 years later, um, Nat King Cole made a uh, retrospective album. And it's like really, it's one of the most like famous uh, albums of like that decade. Um, the, the Nat King Cole story where stereo uh, technology was getting big. Uh, it was getting like, it was an infancy, but everyone was re-recording their stuff from like the thirties and forties. Like Sinatra was re-recording stuff in stereo. So uh, Nat King Cole re-recorded uh, the Christmas song and it came out in 61. Ironically, a year earlier, Nat King Cole made a whole Christmas album. And it's funny, like I was looking for that. I thought it was on that album, but it was, it was on the, the, the one a uh, year later. Um, yeah, but just like those opening strings, Oh, beautiful because kind of reminds me of my grandpa too like he loved that type of music the um just like the whole like s- strings and it's like it's beautiful to me mm-hmm. um yeah i mean like the newer nowadays we have all these like 
Michael Bublé type crooners and like they're trying to like be the same like uh, Harry Connick Jr. I'm not into that. But the old classic stuff just m- makes feel great. Um, what, what about you? Yeah, before I give mine too, because when you talk about like your grandfather and stuff for home, I also want to shout out um Jim Reeves Christmas music. Um, my grandfather used to listen to that when my mother was a child. So um she would play it every Christmas. Um, because you know, other reasons we were kind of like estranged, um, mm. you know for many many years so we wouldn't get to spend the holidays together so when we talk i just wanted to mention like especially in this time of year when you you know it's, it's probably like the only time out of the year that like a lot you know you get together with family and stuff like that the music could connect you to people who are no longer here so you know um Mike mentioned to me that it's a country artist and, you know, my apathy towards country music, but I kind of like put up with it because, you know, it reminds me of my grandfather who actually like passed away just before Christmas um, a few years ago. Um, but it makes us feel closer to him. Um, but I just thought I would mention that just riding off of what, you know, Mike was saying with the, um, you know, how uh, not King Cole's music, you know, his Christmas stuff would make him think of his grandfather. Yeah, because that's what they listened to in the 50s and 60s. My mom growing up, they listened mm-hmm. to Nat King Cole. That was his favorite guy. Uh, what's, his, what's that listening to? Uh, oh, yeah. When Sonny Gets Blue, you know, all like all those songs. Yeah, like, Bing Crosby and, and all yeah. those people. Um, but my, my favorite song, Christmas song, and as soon as you hear it, um it's like oh yeah it's mm. christmas um and it's interesting because mariah carey obviously the queen of christmas music at this point uh her album she had a lot of original songs but one of the songs was a cover of this song mm. I know. so i found you know i started I, I started listening to the original and i actually prefer the original which is Baby Please Come Home by Darlene mm. Love. And it's produced by Phil Spector. Uh, it's just incredible that like all the best works of art are probably made by the absolute worst people because Phil Spector, domestic abuser, um, murderer, convicted, y- yeah. or alleged. I, 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 he, I yeah, he was sentenced. Yeah, he was sentenced. And freaking uh one of the worst hair having people yeah it costs a while uh you mentioned darling love uh what yeah phil specter the ronettes the freaking song from goodfellas when -hmm. i hear that song i get in the mood for christmas you know that's that same like early 60s he was was married to ronnie specter and he Mm -hmm. like abused her um and he's also like He's took t- taken up for Ike Turner because he he was working with um, Ike and Tina during that time, saying no, he, he wasn't abusive. But then, you know, like look look who's 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 vouching for him. Um, but I need to hear all that. But I just it, it's just interesting. I like the worst people make like some of the most like treasured things in history. But Darlene Love, you know, we talk about. Richard Donner, and we talk about my love for Lethal Weapon, 
and Darling Love appeared in all four Lethal Weapon movies. Um, possibly even the fifth, if if Mel Gibson gets that done. Um, playing Trish Murta. So it's it's a it's a synergy there. And you know, we're both fans of late night television, um, mm-hmm. late night talk shows, and you know, it was a mm-hmm. tradition on the late show when David Letterman was hosting it that the show directly before Christmas he would have her come on every year and perform um with the with with um Paul Schaefer and the the Tonight Show band I mean the Late Show band um and it would be like this big this big old uh uh performance but apparently you know because I don't watch the view it's you know because the view comes on like in the middle of the day um but apparently she's brought that tradition over to the view. So now she performs it on the view that comes on um, directly before Christmas. Um, and just like the sax, like the sax, um, the saxophone solo at the end, again, like, you know, I, I, I have to give credit. That's Phil Spector, you know, doing, you know, producing that as one of my favorite, um, it's one of my favorite instrument solos in all of music, not just Christmas music, but, you know, the Christmas, baby, please, you know, Christmas. And it's like, yeah, it's Christmas now. And um, originally it was supposed to be um, not even a Christmas song. It was supposed to be Johnny, please come home. And it was just going to be a regular old, um, regular old pop song. And then they reworked it for Christmas and it just became a hit music song again covered by mariah carey um yeah so that's my favorite um before we go into least favorites i also want to honorable mention because you know our affinity for thanksgiving i've always you know hated when people try to go from halloween straight into christmas i'm like whoa, 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 whoa. and then you even see it on like november 1st like you know uh light fm and all these music um music stations they'll start playing christmas music and i'm sort you know i gotta put my fingers in my ear and uh, uh, try to ignore it until after thanksgiving dinner so like the post thanksgiving anthem to me has always been the temptations rendition of silent night um you know i got introduced to the temptations in um sixth grade during my music class we watched the movie um, over a span of like two weeks, we watched the entire like Temptations miniseries. Man. So I really like, it, you know, they're one of my favorite like bands and um, musical groups of all time. And I think the first time I heard Silent Night, ironically, was in the beginning of Friday After Next, the last mm. um, Friday movie. Uh, when, the house is, when the house is being broken into. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, you know, I started listening to it on my own, and um, you know, you get the Motown. Motown has the the classic Christmas album, and it has like the Supremes, the Jackson Five, Smokey Robinson, the Temptations, you know, Marvin Gaye, all these people doing Christmas songs, and I would always skip straight to Silent Night, and they also had their own Christmas album too, and I think we also have that. But the song itself, like, uh, you have like 
some of the great vocalists that have been because sometimes the temptations of our like oodles of members, many different lead singers, many different um other members. But you got Dennis Edwards, uh Melvin Blue Franklin, who is my favorite, who's the the baritone, you know, with the bass, and Eddie Kendricks, and the whole song is just them like basically flexing their different um they're different tones throughout the song. So it's like my unofficial, like, all right, Thanksgiving's over, it's Christmas time now song. So that's my honorable mention. Well, you knew I was going to bring up, I was going to bring up Leatherman too, because that was a tradition. We always watched it too, The Darling Love. And my mom like was like, oh, she's, her voice is amazing. And she, she used to say, my mom would say, um, well, you know, a lot of people like in the 80s and 90s, um, they didn't really have opportunities like to perform anymore really. And like Letterman like always had her on, you know, and he, so I always remember that, like that was a cool thing. And it kept going until like 2014, uh, yeah. the last season. And I um, remember like, I think like one of the first times I watched it, I think in high school, I, I just happened to be watching Letterman and um, while on break and uh, Darling Love came out. I'm like, you're not Trish from, you're uh, <laughs> not Murtaugh's wife. So yeah, it, I was, it, it was confirmed that that's um you know Darling Love played Trish in the movies, but also made one of the greatest Christmas songs. As you know, far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you mentioned that Temptations. Yeah, that's a that's a subgenre in itself, like '60s soul music, Christmas and holiday songs. You get a mix of like you know spiritual and like uh really you know like a holy night and things like that. Then you also have like the fun you know, saxophone songs and all that like beautiful uh you know the Jackson Five songs and everything. Yeah, because uh, it's so not all it. like just you know, pe- you know now people obviously can make just beats. Back then, it was like mm-hmm. you had to, you had like a like record companies and labels. They actually had like in-house bands to to play the background music oh, for yeah. like these artists. If not having their own band and having, um, you know, actual musicians in it. Yeah, like Sax Records, and then like that, like they had like I forget the name of the band, but they did like the studio music to studio. Uh, sessions for like every like classic song in the 60s um you know because you have the motown sound you have the ohio sound um and they did just cranked out these albums in the phil specter like he, they cranked out these these music with this like beautiful arrangements and everything and now people just do it on their laptop and just make a beat whatever but back then it was like a process um but yeah that, that's a that's a great uh choice and now i'm in the mood now all year all month long i haven't really been listening now i'm gonna pop in some of those old songs all right so with me with my least favorite um I mentioned what my favorite I said was like secular songs, like songs just about the time of year, not really about Christmas, even though the song is called a Christmas song uh, that I can call, but it's more about just like being at home with like loved ones and just, or just relaxing. Uh, so that's, it's not really like a religious song. It's just like, you know, I, I call them like secular songs. These are secular songs too, but I cannot stand. I'm going to give you three, uh, three of these little, they're called like, they're like novelty Christmas songs. And I hate him. I hate him. You know, not novelty songs where it's like, all right, I'll just give you one. This isn't this isn't going to be the my choice, but like an example is Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Like that's silly, you know, the silly novelty song. You ever heard that song before? No, for yeah, it's like, a, it's like it. it's kind of like it's like a weird, silly, silly song. Um, only good thing about that was uh, you know, a rustling guy. Uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, got like retweeted like thousands of times because uh MJF, he goes something about his saying something about your grandma. 
And I went, yeah, great. Ran over by Ranger. Thanks a lot. And he like, he actually wrote it and like he retweeted it. So I got like a lot of followers from that. So shout out. But this song, I have to just like, I cringe. Uh, I forget what movie it's in, but it's the uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks and the Chipmunk song. You know, uh, this that 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 freaking annoying novelty oh, high pitch. I can't, I can't do it. And again, I'm picking songs that like a lot of people like. I'm not just picking like, like oh, that's a, everyone like, universally doesn't like pan it. These are songs that people like. You know, they're part of their like your their their playlist, and they dig it. They dig it. I'm not, I'm not really into that. Um, so that novelty stuff is like cringe to me. Um, just uh, um, and I, I when I would wake up and like uh, the Chipmunk show would be on. And I'm like, my day's ruined already. I hate that voice. Like, it would be on TV because I was watching Nick at Night, and then it would turn into like Nickelodeon. And I'd be like, oh, don't worry. I just don't, I don't like that. Uh, I'm not into that. Um, but that's another song that pops on all the time. It's so annoying. It's like, so uh, this is like an honorable mention. I'll just do this real quick. I just, it's just like annoying. Um, everyone knows this song. It's always on like a playlist for Christmas um, in stores. Uh, it's, do they know it's Christmas? After all, you know, Band-Aid, you know, that, you never heard that? Oh, okay. So in uh, uh, Live Aid, they had Band-Aid and it was songs for like, um, like a charity song. And it's like, you know, 30 of like the top pop stars. Well, mostly like American and like UK guys. But it was like for um, AIDS, AIDS in Africa or something like that. But it's just like so annoying. It's like over the top and everyone's trying to get their shit in. Uh, even like Michael Jackson's on it. And then you have like Bono's on it and things like that. Um, it's just like it's like thirty people just all screaming at the same time. Uh, so that's one thing I just and like it doesn't even sound like a Christmas song, but like it's just like a, like an annoying uh, lyric. Like like oh man, like, do they even know it's Christmas? It's Christmas. You know, it's just annoying to me. What about you? Surprised you didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my least favorite Christmas song actually is like a whole bunch of them. Any Christmas song by Destiny's Child. Okay. Um, obviously, Destiny's Child, you know, they're, they're headed for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at some point in the future. You know, Beyonce is great. Uh, Michelle Williams, um, great singer. And, you know, interesting fact, my first crush on Destiny's Child was Kelly Rowland. And she's awesome. She's an awesome artist in her own right. But they did their era of... um. Christmas songs and all of them were basically covers and all of them were worse than the original. Like I talk about baby, please come home. Like darling loves and Mariah's, you know, Mariah's is a cover, but it's comparable. Like, you know, to some one might be better than the other, but like Destiny Shaw, the thing they did, you know, simply having a, a wonderful Christmas time um 12 days of christmas and all of them like stink to me yeah a lot of people uh that's the paul mccartney song right mm-hmm. yeah that's I, actually I one of my list. favorite songs yeah i love that song yeah. uh people like they they like shit on it because like they're just trying to be like everything's like anti-beatles for some reason but they just like oh it's a catchy song and gets in your head it's annoying no i like it that's one of those songs that's in my top like six makes me gets me in the mood uh but i totally understand what you're saying like it's why remake something if it's, you're not going to try to do a little twist on it or um you know yeah i mean because it was um like early 2000s but it still it has that early 2000s like sound to it and it's yeah. kind of like stuck in our time it's not it's it's not evergreen like you know other songs are 
Yeah, like that era, uh, I can't really get into that, those production style, like the Britney Spears and you have like the Christina um, Aguilera and all those like, you know, all the boy bands. I just really can't get into it. It feels like artificial to me. And if you're going to do a song. Like very like upbeat and, you know, where it's like unnecessary. Okay, but that's um just just that album in general. It's like, uh, or any type of like remake, um, you have to try to do a little twist on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And of course, uh, you know, shout out um, Christmas Tom and Hollis Queens, probably oh, yeah. the first rap Christmas song. Santa comes straight to the ghetto. Snoop Dogg and the Dog Pound. I still love watching the uh, like BET would have like the what's that countdown show like in the early afternoon. So mm-hmm. when you come from, you come come home from school, they would just have like the same. They'd have the Hollis Queens song. They would have that song. You know, Santa's coming to the ghetto. <laughs> those are, those are great mm-hmm. songs. Um, I don't even think about those. Yeah. So that uh, has been the Sugar Me the Moon Christmas Spectacular. <laughs> I hope you guys get into it. I hope you uh um I hope you guys check out these songs. Like uh, I'm surprised like the ones the, the ones I hated. I don't want to tell you to listen to them because you're gonna be like, okay, now they're now I know the song sucks too. <laughs> but uh mm-hmm. take my word for it. So here we are with episode 80. Um 2021 is coming to a close. So uh me and Sugar are gonna talk about um uh, our personal favorites of the year because uh you know, you know, um, I, I watched a lot of a lot of episodes from 2020, like a year ago, and then when 2021 uh, started, we kept doing you know great stuff, and uh, I go back and listen to. It. I still post like old episodes too, so people check it out. Um, but we're gonna talk about our favorite uh, best of 2021. Uh, Shug, hit me with a, your favorite segment. Yeah, my favorite that you know we got into. Um... At the beginning of the year, I had to double check and make sure. And yeah, it did start around January when we covered The Bachelor. But in particular, um, when we did a whole segment on The Bachelor and race, because it was so many things happening at once that we just made it into one whole segment. And it's scary because months afterwards, I feel like they haven't learned anything because I just you remember in the videos I would have like the po- the the picture of the of all the bachelors and it was like all white dudes and then like um Matt James who was the previous bachelor the first um non-white bachelor like surrounded by all of these white people so obviously I've been watching my um you know, watching stuff on ABC and I've seen promos for the next Bachelor and it's literally like another white dude. And they just wrapped up this um season with Michelle, who was basically like the runner up in Matt's season. And people were saying that there was a far better candidate who was... 100% African American. I think he ended up like uh what would be considered like fifth. But he was very interesting and people were pushing would would have liked it if he was the bachelor. But it's just interesting that they went right back to to the to the um to the formula that basically they've been doing uh from the beginning. I've got and have gotten lots of criticism for which is just like, "All right, you you're only picking like white guys. And it's interesting too, because I, I kind of been watching from afar um, how they've handled the bachelorette. 
you know, Katie, who, of course, you know, I was infatuated with when I was watching um, The Bachelor. She was the first Bachelorette um, post-Matt. And she ended up picking a white guy. And I guess between now and then, they broke up. And then with Michelle, I was very, like, excited or I felt encouraged because her final four were all black guys. But then I saw, like, the promos for, like, the, um, you know, the, the, the episode where they, the, the hometown episodes. Mm-hmm. And each, and it was three black guys. And each of them each had, like, at least one white parent. Which, listen, I'm a biracial person. I'm black and Indian. I have nothing against people who are biracial. As long as you at least maintain your African-American roots, it's great. But I just thought it was weird that, like, the bachelorette herself, Michelle, biracial, and all three of her candidates are biracial. It's like, to me, the bachelor is just afraid of, like, not having whiteness involved, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like, it has to yeah. be some kind of white, like a white person needs to be represented in every facet of, of the thing. And so, like, that's why that segment was my favorite, because we did a deep dive in it. And it actually led us to do even more deep dives into other um, media properties and how they've dealt with race. Like, we did Friends. Real World. Yeah. We did Real World. Um, and Real World, actually, too, like, when we did that, um a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. Leroy actually tweeted and he did um a live where he he actually finally um because I believe his last season with the challenge was um the season previous to this current one so he's totally done with the franchise so I think he kind of felt like free to talk about it freely without like oh all right now i'm not like getting invited to be on a challenge anymore i'm not getting invited to do this you know what i'm saying and he finally opened up about the incident that was on our episode that we discussed in the real world segment real world and race segment you know where he talked about he said you know he really felt like insulted that he'd seen you know things we had discussed you know people had gone home for far less than what had occurred that night um, but going back to the Bachelor race, it was just interesting because we never watched the Bachelor before. Um, we would do updates every week, and we knew, like, you know, you were watching it as like, you know, an interested, uh, an interested person. But at the same time, you couldn't help but think of race, especially with the stuff with um, Chris Harrison. Um, you know, Rachel, who won that season, and just what has come afterwards. So it was interesting. We had like that dialogue about it. Yeah, interesting. Um, you're mentioning like how having to have like a white part of like background, like there's like a necessity for them. I feel like like sometimes they do that to like check old boxes. You know, they, they like a lot of producers do that, and they're also like, okay, we have to have. So, uh, our our core audience they have to feel a little like connection so i feel like a lot of reality shows have been doing that uh which is a shame um yeah and it's just like to me i i, I thought it interesting it was the one when you know we decided to do this on um, best of i was just like 
Because they really haven't learned anything from it. Because I'm thinking, like, they went right back to, like, yeah, let's have this white guy, you know, all these women chasing this white guy. And I'm like, you know, this was an opportunity for you to at least have another African-American, have, you know, uh, um, Hispanic person, an actual, you know, a, a, a person, um, you know, dark-skinned, non-white Hispanic person being represented or Asian person, uh, Middle Eastern, Indian, like something different, but they went right back to the thing. So it was my favorite topic because now it's like kind of evergreen because they clear like not a lesson's not being learned and they're very, you know, they're moving forward oddly enough in this time where representation and diversity is such a, uh, it's, it's almost like a prerequisite and, and they're still failing at it and somehow still continuing. It's also, um, it's kind of like if you did it once and you're like, all right, we, we can have a couple of grace period. We can do a couple of seasons and then maybe we'll do it again. But you're still like, it's still like, you know, like you, you mentioned the poster was like one, you know, like person of color on the poster. It reminds me of like when you show like every US president and you see like one, you know, Obama. Um, but it's, it's still like, since it's like it happened once, it's still like different. And it's not like really like normal, you know, we always talk about normalizing it and everything, but it just like, it's, it stands out, you know, and it's like, that's the opposite of what we're trying to, what they should be doing. Um, but yeah, uh, you mentioned um, Bachelor, Bachelor, how it was like, we did it like weekly. Well, we did it for like a month, like, you know, every episode. And I, that's the stuff I really was into uh, that we love, that I love that we do like, like a series. So uh, I'm gonna go with my favorite segment. It's from episode 59. This was July, early July of 2021. And honestly, I think like, I guess July, August, like those are some of like my favorite episodes. I think we've really hit like high notes. Um, that was a really good time. Uh, so that's the episode of Hello Buddies. So we talked about Polly Shore and it, which is great. I mean, this is like a long episode. We did like a lot of segments in, in this episode. Um, but we, we talked about Polly Shore and I love doing our retrospectives and our appreciation for people that who are, who are still around, you know, give them the flowers while they're still here. Uh, but this episode also had our first once on time in Hollywood, the first part, that's how we ended the show. And um, that was just a really fun time to be uh, doing our little book club. Um, so like from episode 59 all the way to like 64 or five, we did like a weekly uh, uh, review of a couple of chapters or, you know, few ch chapters and um eventually it became a you know a video series too but uh th that was really good uh really good episodes for me if you guys want to go back if you didn't check it out episode 59 uh was a really good one july 5th 2021 you know favorite video is just going off of that you know once upon a time in hollywood um was my favorite videos because mm -hmm. um there's five of them it was in raw footage and audio it was about like five hours and i basically like edited them i think over the span of like two or three weeks like back to back to back and it was just fun looking up like pictures of the people that we were talking about the places that we were talking about um and just the segment itself you know as i said it's, it's kind of going to be like kind of overlap but you know, the fact that it got us reading, like, you know, setting out times, 
you know, every night to sit down and read a book. And we like banged through it over a span of like a couple of weeks. Um, you know, as you see, well, if you're watching us, mm-hmm. in Mike's background, he's got the hardcover book and the soft cover book. I got the soft cover book, the hardcover books right here. Um and you know, it would have been cool if we if the hardcover I came out like a little bit earlier, so we could have also um talked about like the extra stuff that was added in there. But in the hardcover book, they had um pictures from the movie um that were scenes in the book but had been shot for the movie but didn't make it into the movie so a lot of things we talked about like you could actually visually see them in the hardcover version the hardcover version has um you know a mad magazine um parody of the show bounty law which was the show that rick dalton was on and it also has um a script for episode of bounty law and it was just cool, like, to see, um, to talk about Quentin Tarantino and just, like, his past works, talking specifically about this work. Um, you know, Brad Pitt talking about Cliff Booth. Like, I think it gave us a whole appreciation of Cliff Booth um, that we had when we watched the movie. But it obviously expanded as we watched the book. and I mean, as we read the book and we learn more about him so that's why that was like my favorite video and i have yet even though i did them i have yet to have sat down and gotten to watch all of them which is something i I wish um i desire to do at some point hopefully in the new year yeah and like like i know the whole not to get back into our whole uh, discussion about the book the novel and like when i when i saw the film i was more into uh uh Richard Dalton, I mean, uh, Dalton, and then in the book, because the character is like a lot of stuff is behind, like it's a uh, so like internal. The Cliff Booth character is like way different in, in the novel than in the movie, and it's like that's the that's the way um, you're supposed to like we what companion piece where it's like completely different, and it's um, a different appreciation for like that that character, and again maybe he'll do some more uh, side um, side stories and like release them. Because uh, you know we we all know that he's going to be stepping down. So, yeah. I mean, um, honestly, um, I, that whole series was like is great to me too. I would I would have brought that up, but if I want to change it up a little bit, again, it's our, it's our appreciation videos. Um, like the John Hughes thing, like I rewatched it like a couple times. Uh, I always try to bring it up on uh, on my Instagram. Like, hey guys, just you know check this out, and because um, I think we're at our we're at our best when we're talking about like, movies. Because me and you, we've been uh we've written our own screenplays uh that's why it was cool to have the uh, example with the screenplays in, in the hardcover book because i'm just like, really into it it's, it's like a it's an art in itself uh i took like a tv writing the writing the pilot a couple of years ago um like in 2017 uh i had like a couple of months where i wasn't working so i was like hey let me take a class and all the money i saved up from like this other job that like sucked i you know i learned uh how to write a pilot you know i did it in film school too so uh, being able to talk about like one of my favorite filmmakers with someone who's like on, on the kind of like on, on the same level of like understanding, like uh, not just saying, oh, that's a good movie. No, we're actually breaking it down. So um, I recommend people just check out the John Hughes um, video that we posted. that was a couple months ago. Um, and my lame answer also is like the next video is going to be the best too. You know, that's what I'm saying. That's going to be my favorite. The next one we make. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah so check that out because like the whole thing like editing it you you sit down this is what we do and like we look for clips and then um when i'm recording i don't really remember like what i'm saying and then when i rewatch it i'm like oh we made some valid points pretty good and it's kind of, i'm kind of watching it from like a different like for the first time sometimes i'm like wow you know like because a lot of stuff was just, was just like free-flowing um but 2020 had so had a on the same level like so many great videos that uh, i hope people will check out because they're all up there on the youtube uh, channel and um they're all like you know separate and different playlists um so if you're not really into like the the beer drinking ones they're all like you know organized it's like you know really great for people to check it out and i stand by them yeah so that has been 2021 for show me the mooney now time for award of the week and this award of the week goes to democrats as a group it's a record label staff and a mfn crew um but yeah for to democrats for basically riding the we're the only alternative wagon till the wheels fall off um but i, I mean obviously for you know from like 2014 2015 um basically until like today um donald trump has been like the big bad like boogeyman for democrats and they've basically been riding this whole like train of like we're not him and if you don't elect us like he might come back and you know it's kind of been good cover for them to either not do things or do things that are contrary to what has been promised so this week we have like a couple of um examples such as um pretty soon within the new year uh joe biden president joe biden is going to be ending the child tax credit which helped out um a lot of people during the pandemic who have children where you got a certain amount of money for each child um uh credited to your taxes so you'd be seeing a lot more money in your refund um and he also reneged on student loan forgiveness um actually going as far as to resume student loan uh debt collections um uh, and you know we all know like he kind of he got on to the oh yeah i'm gonna make sure that no uh no one has to pay back nobody has to pay back federal loans da, 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 because you know bernie sanders has always been riding the student loan debt forgiveness um wave and you know he's promised that if he was elected both in 2020 as well as back in 2016 so biden obviously kind of piggybacked that because you know he's the he you know he was the establishment and bernie was like you know the radical um left uh socialists to some people um candidate and he couldn't really keep up with that so obviously he promised started to promise things that um bernie sanders i was about to say larry david so bad that bernie sanders was um promising um but now that he's elected you know he really doesn't have any like impetus to to do so um and then you also had Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if you heard Mike this week. She said like she wants in 
um, reaction to people um, pushing for politicians or at least elected officials to um, basically abandon any um, stocks or any investments or uh, any, any type of um, influence on like the stock market that politicians have. You know, because as an elected official, you're privy to a lot of information before the public is. And Mike, you do recall, remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I think it was like basic, I think it was like a handful of politicians who kind of knew about the upcoming shutdown and actually pulled money out of businesses, which if I'm not mistaken, on the city, you know, on a on the yeah on the civilian level if you know me and you did something like that it would be inside of trading but for them it's just smart investment um and i think they basically got like a slap on the wrist um when they were investigated by like the sec um but pelosi is you know of course she's saying like you know um these elected officials even though they have this information um, they shouldn't be held accountable for using that information to further their own business ventures or to protect their own business interests. Um, and also another thing is like, like, have you seen Kamala Harris like at all in the like in the last year or doing anything? I saw her one time this week, and before that was probably like the summer. Yeah, and yeah. it's um yeah, and she was <laughs> supposed to be like oh like it's the first. African American, uh, Indian, um, vice president, and like, has she done anything for either group? Has she done anything for women? I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. So that's this uh, award of the week. Um, this would have been my suggestion too, because uh, during the week I watch a lot of like news, and um, I just feel a lot of like um, backtracking, like with the Biden stuff. They're nervous about next year's election and then like 2024 and they're using the whole like hey you want you want him to come back you know because a lot of people are frustrated uh 2020 was a crazy year um you're also talking about like the insider trading or just having a knowledge that other uh, investors won't know um that was a big deal too with the people who have money in uh pfizer and everything where they were like purposely like holding it back um like the whole fda and you know it's not like you're in, you're in position of power to influence it. And I know it's a free market, but you get in that situation where um, they're over, they're on, they're more one tier, like, you know, the elitist, you know, and everyone else has to play, follow the rules, but they don't, they don't have to. And that's the same thing that's been going on. Um, both parties or all parties. Yeah. And the, the, the part that's pissed me off and we we've talked about this when we've talked politics is that Republicans basically do the same thing um you know the whole like you know those guys are like the bad guys we're the good guys so you should vote for us but the thing about republicans are they actually like go in and they try to do stuff like if you've noticed like ron DeSantis is basically trying to turn like florida into like um what's that like uh libya and he's like Gaddafi because he's just making up shit as 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 he pleases because he started um He's trying to start like a civilian like police force, which is terrifying because uh, Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman, um, 
and he also uh he's trying to pass um uh, like a anti woke law to stop critical race theory from being taught. So like my my must my, my, my the, the the long and short of it is like Republicans actually do things when they're elected, or at least try and attempt to do things as bad as they are. So what I would like for the Democrats is to stop, you know, riding the where the alternative wagon and actually be an alternative and actually try to get things done. Because if like come election time, 2024, or even midterms in next year or i think the year after um if it's basically the same there's not going to be a good turnout and there's a distinct possibility that a lot of the blue seats that you turned over the last couple midterms might turn back red so if you could hop off that wagon and maybe start get behind it and start pushing because that wagon has no horses and it's not going anywhere and people are, and, and I, I think the beautiful thing is people are starting to, to realize, like, you know, it's high time that we start holding um, our elected officials accountable because, you know, they keep saying the only way you can make change, the, the only way you can make change is what, Mike? Vote? Exactly. Oh, make change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we're going out and voting for you and you're not making any changes, what's the point of, of voting for you and you're not going to do anything? And, you know, that's the long and short of it. So Democrats are getting a word of the week for episode 80 for um, riding the we're the only alternative wagon until the wheels fall off, which is apparently what they're aiming to do. And that has been a word of the week. Mike, final thoughts for this week. Okay, final thoughts, episode 80. Uh, I'll just start with uh, the word of the week. I uh, completely agree. Um, like, when we were growing up, Bush and Cheney, like, that that eight years, they like, drastically changed everything. The Patriot Act overnight, they, that, that went through. Uh, multiple wars. Like, they got, you know, they did things. Um, a lot of, like, Clinton, he, he couldn't keep his dick in his pants. I don't be so crude. I know we have kids listening, maybe. But he had he was, like, being, like, blackmailed pretty much where he had to do everything that the uh, Republicans and conservatives wanted. So like nothing changed. It was kind of like a continuation of like, kind of like the first Bush where like uh, the Senate and like the house, they're all like Republicans and stuff. And it was kind of like a standstill, like a waste of eight years. And then with Obama, similar thing, they, um, he wanted to do things, but day one, they said, we're not, we're going to vote no on every single thing. So it was basically another eight years, like four years of like nothing. And then four years of, uh, more moderate and conservative um, ideology like got through and Obama did a lot of things. He had to concede a lot. So we kind of like, it kind of like balanced out where like 2008 to 2016 and nothing really happened. And then you have Trump where like all, you know, economic things have changed, um, but just like his, his presence kind of like flipped a lot of things too, like uh, on a social uh, level. Uh, so like, again, things got, things changed. Um but yeah, so with the, uh, I'm gonna go right into the movies. A uh, couple of days ago, I saw that Elf turned 18, and I like flipped out. 18 years ago, Elf came out, so that had me. Before we even agreed to like, hey, we'll, we'll talk about uh, our favorite movies. I started thinking about like, um, like the movies I watched when I was a kid. Like now they're like 30 years old. So now you have kids who um, 
are like 15 or like 20 now and like that's their version of like these movies like i liked it when it came out elf but it's like i don't have the nostalgia for it and it's interesting because like they haven't really made any like christmas movies or holiday movies uh that i you know that i have any connection to that's why you know it started feeling a little old um but it's funny that me and you picked like similar movies um you know we have the same type uh similar taste um i still say because i chose nat king cole as my favorite song um the christmas song um and i mentioned how like it reminds me of listening to um it was a radio station like an am station and my grandpa would pick me up um to go to school and stuff like that and all the songs were like you know string instruments uh, crooners um so like those songs in general um but johnny mathis he was a guy i was thinking of too like that reminds me of like my dad like he would listen to that in the car and um so i just wanted to pick one of those songs because i get really nostalgic for that uh, and that's a christmas song and when you mentioned yours uh i totally agree with that too because that reminds me of, like my mom those songs like that whole like 60 soul because she liked that stuff more um yeah so it was a good it was good to talk about it because um now I'm gonna get more. I know it's like 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 a ten days away, so I'm gonna try to like you know make the most of uh, the next couple of weeks and get back into the Christmas spirit. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to do a little uh, kind of end of year wrap up in the holiday season. Um, it's a good time to you know look back and reflect. This year went by so fast. Like July, not like May, April, May, June, and July, August feels like that was the whole year. I can barely remember the early 2021. Like it was just like working like oh every day and just like a week would go by like this hey we're recording a new episode really a week went by so it's good to sit sit back and um look back at what we did and i'm looking forward to you know january we're gonna like take it up a notch and keep you know keep rocking and rolling um with the, with the my least favorite song i don't know i just don't like the novelty songs so that's why i brought that up um but i understand like we're like you know it's fun for kids and stuff but you know i like the whole pruners like mad memorize like madman um like mature music so um yeah so i'm glad we were able to uh talk about christmas stuff yeah um that's interesting like the 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 christmas um least favorite favorite you know we had like one thing for each thing of course i had a couple honor, honorable mentions but as we began talking about it we started talking about a whole bunch of other stuff and it's just um it's great that the season itself brings that out in people. And I'm pretty sure, like, we'll finish this. And then over, you know, between now and Christmas, it'll be some other movie. I was like, oh, man, I should have brought that up. I forgot how much I love this movie. And or you hear a song and it's like, oh, my God, I, I forgot all about this song. Um, but it was fun to get into that and do something for Christmas. I don't think we got to do something last year and you know rolling into like the best of uh shook me the mooney this year you know it just shows that you know the growth that the show has had that you know we've done things differently from episode one to episode 80 obviously um for like the first like third of um the first quarter of all our shows, you know, we had a third host um, in the middle, a lot of like um, kind of figuring out how to do the show without um, a third host. And then 
we did some great episodes and we've been doing great episodes since some very long episodes some very short episodes but the quality has basically been just about the same um as what you said i'm like this this year really went by like really really quickly and you know we did a lot of great things but one of the best things about shook minamuni is um all of the support we've gotten um and i've said it i've I've said it you know even when we i felt like we were struggling and stuff like that that you know instead of focusing on the lack of support you know let's focus on the people that do support us so if you listen to this um if you've been watching our videos if you follow us on social media like i want to send a special shout out to all of the people who've been you know, either consistently listening to us or jumped in at some point and have consistently listened to us. Because, um, you know, the fact that, you know, we we don't get like a shit ton of views, like that's obvious, unfortunately. Um, at some point we'll get there, hopefully. But the fact that is, you know, every week it's never like a zero um, is very, very encouraging. So shout out to all the people that keep... Um, watching us and listening to us and have been intrigued by us. Um, and that's my final thoughts, but you know, um, as I've said in the intro, we got a lot of stuff coming out on the YouTube channel. Um, the Christmas segment that was, um, played here will be out by the end of the week. The best of, I'm probably do that. Um, just before new year's, that'll be out and check out all the stuff we have we have uh, a couple new story times there's a story time coming up soon um the tv shows we gave up on uh appreciating john hughes is still that time of the year and as we said in the christmas segment a lot of movies we alluded to john hughes um had a hand in so um even if you're listening and you're not familiar with john hughes you should check that out because you might be um apt to check his movies out and once again it's the end of the year so i want to say it um at least one more time before i forget uh please anybody listening um if you're going through things try to you know get uh see um like a therapist get stuff off your mind your mental health is also part of your overall health so check that out um also if you're going through things please remember that there are people who love you and value you being in their lives and if something were to happen to you um would be very devastating to them and would be a monument you, you would be a monumental loss so just keep that in mind anytime you're going through stuff that um there are people who care about you and that you should be talking to them but this has been episode 80 of shug me the mooney shug me the mooney shug me the mooney